Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Hue Capital Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Jaleesa Juju Fontaine. I just want to thank you all once again for tuning into my baby, Hue Capital. The purpose of this podcast is to introduce you all to influential black and brown leaders, innovators, and founders as we dissect the intersection of business, tech, and culture across numerous industries. Through this podcast, not only will you be introduced to insights surrounding building the relationships, skill, and industry knowledge necessary to develop a career that suits your passion, but you will also gain a sense of what it means to build and or create a business that makes social impact and generates revenue. To my amazing community of career transitioners, job seekers, and founders, I got you. After becoming the first black woman to serve as student government president at SUNY Albany and also experiencing my own career transition in 2019 from pursuing medicine into digital health and corporate wellness, I have witnessed the career struggles of young professionals firsthand. With that, I am prepared to leverage my platforms to set you up for success. So let's get into it. Hello, everyone. Thank you all so much once again for tuning in to another episode of the Hugh Capital Podcast. Of course, with yours truly, Jaleesa Juju Fontaine. Um, we do have the amazing Carlos Gill with us today. Uh, before I even give you all some background information on him, I must say that a few months ago, I was just scavenging on LinkedIn, doing my research, and I saw this image of a very, very bright book. It was like a orange and pink or orange and red. And I was like, whose cheesy book is this? Like, why is it so bright? And then I clicked on it and I saw the end of marketing. I was like, whoa, marketing is over? There's no way marketing is over. Every brand needs marketing. Um, well, I did some more research on his platform, his book, his everything. I was like, that's a real marketer. That is somebody who literally used color psychology, the title with every aspect that you could possibly use to attract someone to him and his book and his overall brand. Uh, so before I even get too excited just talking about him and how I found him, um, I am gonna read a quick little bio so that you all can familiarize yourself with him and his work and then we'll get right into it, all right, y'all? So Carlos Gill is the author of The End of Marketing, Humanizing Your Brands in the Age of Social Media and AI, an international keynote speaker and award-winning digital storyteller with over a decade, I said a decade, of experience leading social media strategy for global brands. This includes LinkedIn, Winn-Dixie, Save-A-Lot, and BMC Software. As a first-generation Latino, Gil's work has been featured by CNN Money, Harvard Business Review, I said Harvard, Mashable, as Social Media Examiner, in addition to dozens of trade publications. Presently, Gil is the CEO and founder of Gil Media Co., which is a full-service digital marketing firm based in LA, and also works with Fortune 500 clients. So, Mr. Gill, you can go ahead and take it away. Well, well, for those that are that are watching this on video, if there are people watching on video, my, my daughter is over my shoulder here. As you can see, mm -hmm. I'm working from home, recording from home here at my dining room table, like everyone else in America and around the world. So, as uh, it's, it's funny as you're introducing me, I'm here looking at my daughter over my shoulder again, her morning cereal. Oh. Uh, anyways. Anyways, Juju, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you for the kind words that you said. And, and it's funny that the way that you broke down the book, then the marketing, because you're the first person, I think, really in the last year since the book came out, 
or almost a year now because it came out in October. Mm-hmm. You're the first person that really breaks down and has a catchy name and has an eye-catching yep. cover to it. And that was by design, right? So yep. for, for starters, the way I've kind of built my brand in the world of social media marketing, if you look at all the like top gurus and social media marketers, you don't see anyone else named Carlos. Nope. Right? You don't see a lot of people that look like me. You don't see sure a lot of people that sound like me. You don't see people that incorporate like hip hop culture into marketing and business. Mm-hmm. So I figure, F it. If I'm going to write a book about a topic that's already been written about thousands of times and spoken about thousands of times, you know what? F it. I'm going to do something that's, that's edgy. I'm going to create a book that is easy to read. I'm going to create a book that if you're walking through an airport or through Barnes and Noble stands out at you because it has a big red X on it and a big neon orange cover. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give exactly. it a catchy name because the reality is that we are all responsible for killing marketing yep. as we know yep. it. And like, that's the key. The first line of the book is marketing as we know it is dead. Yep. And that's okay. Like it's okay to let things as we know die down. It doesn't mean that. The, that marketing in general is over because marketing right. will always exists. But the way by which we market has changed and the entire premise of the book is humanizing your brand in this age of social media. And, and, and what that really means is that today people are brands. Like I'm a right. brand, Juju's a brand, DJ Khaled's a brand, Kim Kardashian's a brand. Like all of these people that we follow on social media are all brands that have influence. Exactly. Historically, we would associate a Nike or a Coca-Cola or Starbucks as being influential. But in these days, those are just places where we buy goods and products from. They're not really influencers. They're not really influencing anybody. Right. It's people who influence people. It's people who engage people. And the book is 240 pages of goodness and realness that teaches my readers, my audience, if you want to really level up and transform your brand over the next decade, these are the things that you need to do. If you want to keep doing what you've been doing, don't buy the book, don't read the book, that's great. Right. You know, more power to you. But if you really want to change, then you've got to, you've got to pick this up. You know, exactly. and for, 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 for kind of starters, just to tell you a little bit about myself, like I'm not an academic marketer. And what I mean by that is I didn't go to college and study marketing. So right. I fell into marketing at 25 years old, 12 years ago, in 2008, during the last recession, I lost my job in banking, mm-hmm. started up a company, and I was forced to understand and learn how to market. And what I really did well at a young age, and if you follow my work throughout the years, or even see me now, mm-hmm. is you will see that my brand is this. It's what you right. see. It's what comes out of my mouth. Yep. You know what I mean? That is my brand. That's my billboard. That's my business card. And that's been the case for 12 years I've been in this game. Actually, so I want to talk to you there really quickly, if you don't mind, right? Do it. it made a really good statement. You were saying how you are the face of your brand, right? When people think about the work that you're doing, they can automatically associate it with your personality, who you are, your expertise. I noticed that there are some people who are creating businesses where they're thinking about if this is going to last long term beyond me, to what extent do I associate my brand with myself or keep it a little separate? Just to kind of quickly throw that question in there. Your brand is all one and the same. There's no business brand versus personal brand. There's this misconception. There's this misconception, and I hear this all the time from people. And I'm going to put you on the spot because I just asked you if you're on Twitter, and you said no. Yep. So there's this misconception that, well, what I put on my on my LinkedIn is my professional brand, and what I put over on my Instagram is my brand. And there's right. a separation between the two, and that's BS. The brand of you is the brand of you. Yeah. How you want people to perceive you on a different channel, that in itself is a strategy. 
right. doesn't mean that you have two separate brands. You are the same person, mm -hmm. right? You know, it's 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 ironic because I, I just told you before I came on here, I was talking with a good friend of mine, Ja Rule, mm -hmm. right? The artist. Yep. And I was having this conversation recently with Ja about, you know, that he, he gets he gets haters that talk smack on social media about him. Yep. And he and I, we have this very same approach to how we look at social media and personal branding. You're only judging people based on what you see on the outside. Right. You're not judging people based on who they really are. So yep. it's okay that you get a little bit of hate thrown your way. It's okay that you get a little shade thrown your way. It's okay to take risks and not always look like a superhero because at the end of the day, people are just going to judge you based on what they're seeing on the surface. They don't know exactly. who the heck you really are. So my approach to this whole kind of game, if you will, of social media for the last 12 years, because it hasn't, it hasn't really changed. It's always been consistent. And that was a, know, question a, new, of mine. a new social network pops up. I'll kind of dip my toe in. Either you know stay in or get out of the sandbox very quickly, like a TikTok, for example. Yep. But my approach of the last 12 years has been I'm going to make you, in a way, this might sound like kind of corny, but I'm gonna make you fall in love with me. I love right? it. Because business and dating are very much one in the same. Yep. In order to get someone to do business with you, you have to make them love you. Yes. In order to get someone to buy my book, I have to get them to like me, love me. And if they don't know me personally because they haven't followed my content, then you know what? At some point or another, someone that read my book is endorsing my book to their audience, right? right? So that is how this game works, right? You get people to like you. And how do you do that is very simple. You storytell, you make yourself vulnerable, you engage with people, you build relationships. And there's, again, there, going back to the earlier point, there's no difference between personal or professional brand. Right. It's a brand of you at all times. And then you are really the conductor, if you will, for the mm -hmm. narrator of what you want people to see and when and where. And, and I, think brands, I think brands need to think of their own corporation that way. But what happens, and I, I check myself often in this thought process because I spent many years working for corporate America. Mm -hmm. And then in the last three, I've worked for myself. So I have more flexibility to do what I want, say what I want, advise my clients. Yep. This is the path that you need to go down. But the reality is that most people that work at corporations are just paid a salary to do this, yep. to press buttons. That's yep. all that they do. They are not the owners of the corporation. They're not the majority shareholder of a corporation. They're being paid a salary to do a job. Yep. So that is why brand marketing, especially in social media, it kind of looks half fast. It's not fun. It's not sexy mm -hmm. because that marketer is being paid a salary. He's being told by someone that makes three to four times what they Damn make, yep. who's not on social media, yep. who quite frankly doesn't know much about social media, but they're telling mm -hmm. that, that, that manager level employee, hey, you got to say this, or you got to do this, or you can't really do this this way because it's off brand. I can't tell you right. how many times, how many times I was told throughout my corporate career, this is off brand. We can't say mm -hmm. this this way. Mm -hmm. Well, says who? Because a social media voice and tone is not the same as a corporate PR press Exactly, exactly. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yep. And that's what I try to break down in the end of marketing. What influencers have taught all of us right. over the last decade, if you will, is how to tell your story and your narrative and build a community by just yep. being a real person. Right. That's it. Difficult. So imagine now, like, Starbucks recently came came under fire, right? Because of because of BLM, Black Lives Matter, right? Mm -hmm. And look how like their positions. Everything that comes out of Starbucks always just seems like it is doctored. Yeah, talk about it. Right? It's stale, mm -hmm. it doesn't have flavor, it doesn't have spice, right? Yep. 
CEO statements. Like you can tell a CEO did not open up their computer or their iPhone and write some shit down mm-hmm. and then say to their PR team, like, hey, I want you to put this as a nice little graphic and tweet it out. No. No. I can tell you it doesn't work like that because I've, I've been the guy that has to tweet it out, mm-hmm. right? But then mm-hmm. works with like six or seven other people in corporate communications that write a statement on behalf of a CEO. Nordstrom, same thing recently, right? When people mm-hmm. were breaking into Nordstrom stores. You know, Nordstrom's comes out, Target comes out. They all come out with these just like very corporate-like statements. Yep. Man, in the year 2020, really why, can't you, why can't you grab an iPhone? Yep. Right. Because if you go into any corporate boardroom meeting, any single corporate boardroom meeting, you always see these devices right yep. in front of every single day. Everybody. Most meetings, they're doing this, right? They're on their phone. They're sending emails. They're looking at where they're going to go on vacation. They're looking at their 401k account. Why don't you just use this damn device? Why don't you use this device to, to, to just open it up, go on Instagram, and just do a, a quick little short video? Like, you know what? Like, yep. These are unprecedented times. My heart is with you. My heart is with your family. Just know that I'm working with my team here on the back end to go ahead and, you know, right the wrongs or, you know, help our employees or help the communities that we serve. That's all you got to do. Yeah. So quick question for you then. Quick question. Do you feel that it's absolutely laziness or do you feel like it's the fear as a leader to say the wrong thing? Or is it a combination? It's a combination of of things. It's a combination of laziness combined with let's just be let's just be completely 1000 percent honest yep. these c-level executives that work at these corporations they are not the owners of the corporations that they work at that's right they are being employed by a board that yep. looks like them sounds like them mm-hmm. to do the board's job to make the board more money and make the short yep. shareholders more money so they're constantly tap dancing and tiptoeing around these critical issues because they themselves are afraid to piss off their stakeholders which is yep. their board so the reality of the matter is that most people who are in positions of power are in a position of power for a very limited amount of time, mm-hmm. and they're just trying to coast through that shit so they can get yep. to those probably the bigger check than the yep. one that they got paid on the way in. And that's real talk. That's real talk. Absolutely. That's how it goes. Yep. Like that's the conspiracy theory behind CEOs and the C-suite of all these companies. Yep. They're not the owner of the company. That's why I love small businesses. That's why I like celebrities for as much yep. like he as like people like kanye get for example mm-hmm. the reason why i fuck with kanye right is because he at least is a ceo of his brand his brand yep you know what i'm saying yes like dj cal drake kim k like kylie all these celebs that from afar we decide to go ahead and criticize and critique every move they make every tweet they send out you know what i say at least they are speaking oh. their narrative yep. and they're not having to vet you know what am i going to tweet because we're gonna have our board pissed off. We're gonna have our shareholders pissed off. So it's there. I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little heated right now. But this, this, this is good. This, oh, I, think awesome. this is, I think this is some stuff I've had built up inside. Up in you. Mm-hmm. People always want to ask Share the same it. stuff about, you know, what are your top three tips for Facebook? You know, but this is real <laughs> shit. It's a fact. For a this is real shit. Absolutely. And so this is a quick transition, actually. I want to transition back to your first start in entrepreneurship, right? But Mm. before you even answer that, I want you to kind of tie in what you just talked about in terms of being authentic while owning your own own brand and then obviously starting your own company, right? So during the um, depression or whatever the case is, recession, excuse me, you started a company. Um, What was it? What was it about? And how can you tie your authenticity now into that brand? Um, Well, first of all, I think you're like, you're hearing it and seeing it right now. Yeah, I mean, like I'm I'm un- uncensored, unfiltered. 
And it took me a while to get to this point. Like, real talk, writing my book, then the marketing, was like the ultimate level up of confidence. Yep. Because I already knew that I had a talent and an ability. But, you know, you hear about this term imposter syndrome a lot. I was yep. always afraid, what if I write a book and no one buys it? Yep. And I'll be completely 1,000% with you. If I knew people actually will buy this and read it, then I would have written five or six books by now instead of my first. <laughs> but right. it took me this, it took me 12 years to mm. build a brand and know what I know to now come on here on your podcast and tell you what I know right. with such conviction and passion behind it. Right. That doesn't happen on day one. So right. day one for me was November 5th, 2008. Remember the day. Wow. Okay. I lost my job that day. Ooh, okay. I, I got laid off. So there are certain periods in your life that you will always remember you, right? Mm. The, the day you got married, the day that your kids were born. You know, in my case, I got laid off mm -hmm. November 5th, 2008, and it was the same day I joined LinkedIn. And years later, I would go work for LinkedIn, which was really cool, but the steps I had to take in between that was I started up an online job board. I wanted to help people find jobs. Yep. I kind of felt like I had this like rebel outlaw mindset of like, man, I just I just got laid off. A lot of people in middle America are losing their jobs, but these CEOs and these executives at the company that just laid me off, they're getting millions of dollars in golden parachutes. Sure. Yep. That's that's pretty effed up. Yep. So how do you take power away from people and give it back to yourself? Well, you gotta do something. Mm -hmm. Right. And again, we're kind of seeing it happen in, in this era where we're living, where people are taking to the streets, you know, they're protesting, they want to make their voices heard. For me, it's always been about using the internet. Yep. If I want to get my voice heard, I use the internet because I know that there's people that are tapping in and you just got to know where to put your seed, right? Where to, mm -hmm. where to put your message. So I started an online job board and I started going all over LinkedIn and I, I started finding people that were unemployed. I would tell them, come over to my website. I would find people that were hiring, come over to my website, Ooh, Jobs Direct yeah. USA. So for a period of about a year, I made no money, but I was doing in-person events called Pink Slip Parties to bring people together. Those events were bringing me media coverage. Media coverage would always give me like a hit of new signups on my website. It would yep. always be like that media hit would always be something for me to then share on social media. So that was my way of doing grassroots marketing for free is in-person events, media, traditional media, and then using social media to build a brand for myself, but also for my mm -hmm. company. So I did this for four years. And then companies started taking notice of what I was doing. They started backing me up with dollars. Um, yes. And in that, there's a supermarket chain in Jacksonville, Florida, by the name of Winn-Dixie, which is one of the largest supermarket chains in the southeastern US. Mm -hmm. They were looking for a head of social media. And they're like, hey, would you be interested in coming to work for us? Hey. And I took the gig. And for me, that was like a rebirth of my career, so to speak, because it was my first corporate marketing gig. Mm. And you know that job, I parlayed into the next job, which I parlayed into the next. Um, eventually moved out to the West Coast, went to go work for LinkedIn. And once you work for a big social network like that, mm -hmm. your, your, your capital, so to speak, goes yep. up. And I'm not talking about like financial monetary capital, but social like capital. personal brand, social capital goes up. Right. People want to speak at their conferences. People want a piece of you. People want to know you. You know, yeah. that comes with its pros and cons because you, when you work at a big company, um, yeah, there's people that will support you, but there's a lot of fake love. Absolutely. There's, there's a lot of people that in the moment they want a piece of you yep. because they want to get something out of you. They want to go right. to your headquarters. They want to take that photo at yep. the headquarters with the LinkedIn logo in the background. Yep. You know, so it's, it's interesting because I've seen these different kind of periods of my career and my life, which is like a roller coaster. 
where, you know, there's like these highs and lows. You're constantly like, mm-hmm. you, you hit this peak and then all of a sudden, you know, you're not the job anymore. And now no one wants a piece of you. So now you hit this low. And honestly, I got to say in the last couple of years, since I wrote down the marketing, it's just all about, it's just been a mindset shift for me. Yes. Because it's the ultimate, like I said before, it's the ultimate confidence boost that when you do something and you see mm-hmm. an outcome play out to fruition, mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden have people like yourself that six months ago, you had no idea who the hell I was, yep. but mm-hmm. now, you know, you, you, you're having me on your show. Yep. That to me says something. That's a yep. barometer of success. Like right. a lot of people measure success in pure wins and losses being associated with money, gaining new clients. And like, that's just not, not how I'm cut. Like right. my mindset is this is a win right, right now. I'm speaking to a new audience that had no idea who I was 30 minutes ago before they, before they heard me right. Right, or saw me. So right. again, you know, you, you gotta look at, you know, take the good with the bad, but look at things as wins and losses and not always associate your wins with money. Absolutely. I do want to go back to um, your transition, right? So you mentioned how you did the business for four years and then you went into corporate America. Mm-hmm. How did it end? Did you sell the company? Can you talk a little bit more about maybe your business model? Like talk a little bit about that. I didn't, I didn't sell the company. I wish I had, I wish I had the story, the success story of love, a lot of other entrepreneurs and say like I exited for a billion dollars, but right, like, it's like, I call spade for spade. When I started my business in 2008, the iPhone was a year old, right? Hey. Mobile apps, mobile. So, so yeah, like, you know, I kind of, I had to put things in perspective right. from a, from a date standpoint, the iPhone was one year old uh-huh. when I started my business in 2008. iPhone came out in 2007. Mobile today, we're just being introduced. Social media, like, Day was was at very much at the ground level. People were still using MySpace. When I got started, Facebook was only a network for college kids. You need to have a, an email address from a university to join. So again, like the way that we would communicate was very different. Now, right. my upbringing with my parents who are immigrants from Cuba and, and serial entrepreneurs was: if you want to grow a business, you just go out and work hard and you raise money through your hard work. I had no knowledge of what venture capital was or this notion of, you know, I write a nice, cute business plan and I go sit with someone that's got that's got money or VC or an angel. And then they drop, you know, two, three million dollars in my bank account the next day. Like that whole concept to me was unknown. What I'll say this is that if I was going back in time with what I know now, I would probably exited for several millions of dollars because I would probably built a an app a job search app that would i would probably sold to an to a linkedin or a tech company like that that wasn't in the game at that point but again mm-hmm. you know what you know you don't know what you don't know well, and this is my advice to young people i tell this to young people i mentor all the time once you know the formula to anything in life mm-hmm. everything becomes easier making yeah. money is not hard you just have to know how to make money if you want a lambo Buying that Lambo is not that difficult. You mm-hmm. have to know how to make, in some cases, three hundred thousand dollars, and just go buy the damn car or lease yep. the car. But that's the key: is you have to know how to get it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people want things, but they don't know how to get those things. They only know how to build the wealth or acquire the wealth. Right. So I'll give you, I'll give you an example of like my pivot recently. You yes. know, back in March, when when COVID first COVID. first came on the scene. You know, in a matter of a week, it was like the worst probably week of my career that I can remember. I lost major clients. I lost major speaking opportunities. My book, my worldwide book tour got put on hold. So it was bad. It was, it was, you know, one event in in general, South by Southwest was supposed to net me like 30 grand. That went away. 
You know what I mean? Like it was a bad week. So don't like you cry a little bit. Excuse me, Tia. I don't. I don't believe in crying because it's <laughs> like this material shit. Like, right? If, if if a check isn't in your bank account, it's not yours. Right. It's you know true. Like that's that's the reality. If a check is not sitting in your bank account right now, I love that money mindset. You can, you can have invoices. You can have a million dollars in invoices sitting out there. I don't care mm -hmm. how much you have in invoices. If the check is not in your bank account, it's not your money. It's not yours. Love so it. So why cry about something that's not yours? Mm -hmm. Instead. You dust yourself off and you get back to work. Yep. So in my case, I was sitting in a house in North Carolina in the mountains with my brother-in-law and our families. And my brother-in-law's from LA. I'm from Miami. We're both into hip hop culture. And we both started seeing that COVID's gonna be around for a while. It is. And we started saying, damn, bro, like they're probably gonna start making people wear masks like they do over in Asia. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these masks are like bullshit little disposable paper masks. Absolutely. So we kind of sat there and very quickly, it was like the light bulb went off and we said to ourselves, like, why don't we create a mask brand that's fashionable, that's stylish, that we can incorporate, you know, hip hop culture with a like whole bandana print. Yep. Have all the different, you know, gang affiliation covers, which, you know, yep. colors, which I know sounds really bad, but like, again, if no, you want to be all, right. you you be all inclusive, yep. you want to be that's all inclusive, facts. like, that's you facts. can't ignore that these, these things exist. Exactly. And people buy articles and garments based on certain affiliations or, Yep. You know, I like the color blue. I wear blue a lot. Doesn't yep. mean that I'm a crip, crip right? Exactly. But I like the color blue. So yep. I'm gonna wear items that match with blue. Yep. So that's how our, our business outlaw masks was born. And it, it literally that. came out of necessity. It came it came out of thinking I just lost X, mm. but it's okay. Yep. Like I'm a marketer at the end of the day. Yep. I'm a businessman at the end of the day. I'm a father and a husband at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So I gotta keep moving forward. Yep. And that was, that was, that was, that was the level up. That was the moving forward to create a fashion company, create a brand that provides necessity in times mm -hmm. where people need it, which is masks yep. and create a brand. That's, that's cool. Yep. And definitely solves the problem. And I actually want to come back to your, to your personal business, right? So Carlos Gill media, right? Mm -hmm. So people are always kind of thinking about, all right, if I have to start my own personal brand media company, how do I even make money from that, right? So if you can kind of break down the different ways in which you use your personal brand media company to make um, income, what does that look like? So my personal brand is my business development. I don't right. do traditional traditional biz dev. You know, in fact, like in the last in the last few days, as I've been promoting my mask company, Outlaw Masks, I've had people that I know reach out to me and they're like, hey, you know, here's the contact at this big global retailer that you can get your masks in. Right. You know, oh, hey, tell this person that you know me and they might be down to buy, you know, 5,000 masks, you know, for this company. And I've never really been that guy. I've never been that guy that like sent, likes to send a cold email mm -hmm. and say like, hey, so-and-so referred me and this is what I do because I feel that's corny feel that if you didn't come to me and now I'm just coming to you, you know what I mean? And we haven't built rapport, right. then I'm doing what everyone else out there is doing. And my, 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 my mantra, my pride isn't to be like everyone else. That's it's right. to be unique. That's right. So I want you to see my content and be like, damn, there's something about this guy that's different. I'm going to reach yep. out to him. Damn. Mm -hmm. I see he's got a book. I'm going to reach out. Damn. I see he's got math. I'm going to reach out. Like to I reached out to him. Yep. Right. And in order to get to that point, we said the word before I said, and then you said consistency it doesn't yep. happen overnight. 
Mm-hmm. You got to be consistent. You have to operate like nobody's seen your content True. and not give a fuck and just keep moving forward. True. You know, there are days, there are days where I'm like, man, I wish more people could engage with this piece of content on Twitter. Man, I wish more people would share this post on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But what I've learned, Jalisa, is that we as creatives, as entrepreneurs, we don't control what people, with the yeah. message that we put out into the world. We have it's zero true. control of that. It's true. Zero. Right. It's up to the market. It's up to the community to determine what they do with the content that we put out. And right. what your job is is continue to put out content into the world. Right. And then let them determine what they want to do with it. Because here's also what I've learned. It's not about the big numbers that you should be chasing. Mm-hmm. Right. What I really want is I want an engaged following. I want people, and you know, I've had these conversations all the times with people mm-hmm. that they're like, oh man, you should have you know, a million followers. You should have more followers than what you have. And I tell them, look, I'm good with my following. Because right. the people that follow me are quality followers that right. have a podcast, work at a brand. You know what I mean? They're professional people. Like when you're in the professional space, the way that people use social media is different than if you're Absolutely. a musician or you know, an influencer or an artist of some sort, right? Yep. You're not out buying for fans. You're not right. trying to get fans. You're just trying to connect with good people. Yep kind of people like you that you can leverage those relationships both ways. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was just some of <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> no, that's, that's right. I'm like, yeah, that's what yeah. down to. No, absolutely. Um, I actually want to start talking a little bit more about trends in marketing, right? So once again, the book is called The End of Marketing, and you're talking about humanizing brands during mm-hmm. a time where AI is growing so prevalent, right? Mm-hmm. So I do want you to kind of first talk about artificial intelligence, Talk a little bit about you know why it's so important in the marketing industry, and let's start thinking a little bit more about what trends should we be preparing for in this space. Well, I think I think that you know AI, as I wrote about in my book, is going to be responsible for probably millions of job losses. Yep, and it's going to happen because especially in these times where companies are cutting people out, laying yep. off, furloughing. You know, you can program an AI to do to do the job for you. Like, I'll give you an example. You know, and this is this is kind of humorous. Um, I have I have I have an AI that when you visit my website and you go through the whole registration process, and if you put a mask in your shopping cart and you fill out all the information required and you don't buy that mask, you're gonna get a text message like within 30 minutes. Yep. And then that AI actually has a name, it has a voice, it has a personality, and that AI is programmed to have a conversation with you. Mm-hmm. And its name is Chris. Mm-hmm. So, and we also have female names too. So yep. make this up. So yesterday, someone buys a mask from me, and they're like, I love the customer experience. They put it on LinkedIn, they're like, I love the customer experience. Mm-hmm. I, got te- I got personalized text message from Chris, and he convinced me to buy a mask. I'm not paying. Wow a person to send you a text message. It's, right. a, it's a service I'm paying a month. Right. Right. Text messages. Wow. That feels like a human. Yep. So imagine when we get to this point where every company that you interact with, you're not really engaging with a person. Yep. You're engaging with an AI that's yep. reading what you're saying and is really smart and it's programmed that based on certain words, it triggers certain responses. Mm-hmm. Which is why it's important that, that, that humanizing your brand really what your objective should be is replacing your logo with a face. Yep. 
And that's really the outcome that I strive for this book to get across to readers and to marketers mm-hmm. is over the next 10 years, you really need to start phasing out the logo and make your face and your voice, the logo of the brand and not just a person, but a variety of people, mm-hmm. right? Like the brand Walmart speaks to multiple cultures, multiple demographics, Absolutely. right? Black, white, Latino, male, female, all different ages. Walmart right now online should be an army of people, right? right? that you kind of follow the person that you relate to. Like right. with me, it might be a Hispanic, Hispanic dad. Absolutely. Right? Like Home Depot should have a Hispanic dad that can appeal to me and teach me how to build shit. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. that's what brands really should you be give doing. Them an idea, yep. They're not doing it. Yep. And you know the brands that are not doing it probably might not exist in the next several years. It's true. I gave in this book, I gave brands a 10 year runway and you know, I could not predict that COVID was going to happen. <laughs> so that but 10 year runway is more like, yeah, it's more like a two year runway now. Yep. So how do you feel about AMC and what they're experiencing right now during COVID? I think, I think movie theaters, um, they themselves, um, only have they, they themselves to blame for not evolving yep. times. Yep. You know, I haven't been to a movie theater in shit, four or five years, right? You lying? No way. No. Who goes to the movies oh. anymore? Who goes oh, to the movies? Yeah, it's right. You're right. It's expensive. It's not it cheap. Is, it is very expensive. Exactly. So I'd rather kick it at home. I'd rather wait a few months for the Fast and the Furious so movie, for example, yep. to be on Amazon Prime, yep. and sit at home with takeout and a bottle of wine and watch it in, from the comfort of my own home. You're right. So again, AMC by now should have had an app that you could get to your TV or your phone and still pay the same 20 bucks that you would pay, you know, to stream. Because if you think about the volume, if you think about the volume game, like I get it from their standpoint, oh, well, you know, we're charging people per head, this and that. Yeah, but think about how many people are not going to a movie theater. Right. You know what I'm saying? So if you go from, and this is, this, this kind of goes to like, in business, you can either you can either play small or play big. It's I true. think movie theaters is playing small because yeah, Absolutely. you might be selling out a theater that has three hundred seats, but think about how many people you're excluding that have a smart TV in their home. Exactly, that aren't going to a movie theater. It's true, and I do want to talk a little a little bit more about our prior conversation. Um, so, for those of you who don't know, we were having a little talk before um, the recording, and. He was basically saying, why are you not on Twitter, Juju? Why? And honestly, I just don't engage with Twitter. So I do want to get a sense of, let's say even for something like Vision, right? Where we are targeting young adults who are trying to either get jobs or even start their own platforms, right? So how do you choose your home, right? How do you say Twitter is my number one, Instagram is number three, LinkedIn maybe number four, whatever it is. How do you do that? Kind so of? first of all, Twitter has seen a big renaissance in the last couple of years. And I think that's because of because of of young people. You you have younger millennials and now you have Generation Z that are that are kind of finding their footing in the world. I think that's great because it reminds me of when I got started. Right. You know, you have a lot of older folks, boomers, Gen X, that when I got started, they didn't want the millennials to take over social media. And a lot of them were kind of assholes to millennials. Yeah. So I love seeing I love seeing younger people on their come up because it, it really brings me back to when I got started. Yeah, you know, I'd say that the most important social network that exists today is actually Twitter. Hmm. Because Twitter is, is, is what I refer to as, you know, open-ended social networking. You don't have to be friends with someone to see their content. You don't That's have true. to follow someone to see their content. 
Someone who doesn't have to follow you in order for your content to be seen. You just have to talk about the the right things that are of interest to the people that you're trying to reach. And right. because Twitter works very much like like Google, like a search engine. Just mm. make sure that you have certain keywords in your content, people are gonna see it. Right. That is true. And it's easy to connect with it's easy to connect with people. You know, mm. if you're trying to connect with other people that have like-minded interests as you, then mm. you just go into Twitter search, you type in the phrase or keywords. And then you hit search and then you go to people and you can find those people. It's a lot easier yeah. than on Instagram. It's true. You know? So I would, I would say first and foremost, Twitter, I Twitter would say second, I would say second is LinkedIn because you need the professional connects. That's people right. are always trying to front and stunt for the gram. Okay, man, I haven't made much money off Instagram to be honest with you wow, because, because okay. I, I think I've made book sales on Instagram. I see people that follow me on Instagram that like mm -hmm. take a photo of my book and share it on their Instagram. But in terms of like the people I'm really trying to reach to like right. get big checks from, those people right. live, on, live on LinkedIn. Yep. That's where decision makers are. Yep. That's where the suits are at. Yep. You have to be on LinkedIn and you yep. have to create a, this is again where I said, the brand of you is the brand of you, but this is where you can kind of separate personal from professional. Yes. LinkedIn is where you build the professional or the professional presence because you want that to be seen by a professional audience. And I would say Instagram and Facebook is kind of like a toss up. You know, I think, I think TikTok in, in these times is extremely entertaining. It is. I enjoy seeing content. I don't think that my brand really has a place on TikTok though. Cause I'm just, I, I'm too serious. Honestly, I, I can't see myself on it either. Like I know that people are often saying how, um, take advantage of TikTok, right? Find a way to engage your audience there. But I really don't know if TikTok is a platform but, for what I'm trying to do. Man, but then, but then let's, let's, let's kind of break down, right? You have social networks right. and social tools. Like you're using StreamYard right now to record this. This is a social right. tool that can broadcast to Facebook right. and, and Twitter. So think about your reach and YouTube. That's true. Think about That's your true. reach. We could be having this. Let me just kind of break this down real quick. We could be okay. having the same conversation that we're having right now. Right. Have you broadcasted this to Twitter? Right. YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook. I could have shared this to four different platforms, to four different networks. To That's my true. That hmm. is how you grow your brand. Hmm. That's how you do it. Y'all, I'm learning right now. Wow, I feel embarrassed. <laughs> you know, I got like at least a good 100,000 people to follow me on these social networks combined. Right. So that could be a new audience that knows who Drelisa is. It's true. Oh, my God. Honestly, you just gave me a whole new hack. For the next one, I feel so guilty right now. Why didn't I meet you sooner? Well, you tell me that. Honestly, I feel so bad. Oh my gosh! <laughs> how did you how how did you meet me? How did you learn about me? Um, so like I was telling everybody earlier. So once again, I was on LinkedIn doing my scavenging. Saw the color of your book. Saw the end of marketing. And what, as soon as I saw that title, I actually thought about the term hip hop is dead, right? I think that whenever someone comes up out of nowhere and says that something's dying, there's so much controversy around it, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, it was like, I need to know who this man is who is saying that marketing is over, it's at a conclusion, it's done. And then when I got a glimpse into what your message really was, you weren't saying that it's no longer going to exist, you're saying that it's changing vastly and if people don't catch up, they're gonna get left behind. And that applies to all different kinds of marketing. That applies to what kind of businesses you're creating. So I could just tell off the bat that this is a man who's very informed. And I, I felt know. like this is someone who I need to follow because for me, um, for a while now, I've been interested in like product management, product marketing, and even getting a better sense of as someone who's a business owner, how the hell do I get people to see my business? And for you, I was watching your YouTube videos. I was seeing your IGTV on Instagram. And I was like, he actually puts out relatable content. 
And this is somebody who I can say, yo, you know, let me hit him up. Let me see what he's doing today. Let's go get something to eat real quick. Nothing bougie like coffee, but we can go get some ribs together and talk about some really important stuff. And I felt mm -hmm. like for a young person like myself and even a young black woman, you are someone who attracted me, right? As a person. Mm -hmm. It wasn't because you were a man. It's not because you're Latino. It was really because your vibe and your personality resonates with me on a social level and mm -hmm. I see it on a professional level. And that's the reason why you're here today, to be quite honest. So we gotcha. do have about five minutes left for this recording. Um, I do actually have three questions that were provided to me from my interns. And they were like, oh my God, like definitely got to ask him these questions. So are you ready for it? Let's do it. Right. Drop it like it's hot. Let's get it. Let's get it. All right. So the first question is, marketing can come off as an oversaturated industry. How do you usually differentiate your marketing strategy from other marketers when you're attracting new clients? Ooh, spicy. Such a loaded question. First of all, and this is a catch 22. Yep. Your audience is not other marketers. Yep. Like, I thought for the longest time that in order for me to grow in this industry, I needed to get the, the approval, if you will, of other marketers. And at the, at the end of the day, like, we're all, we're all in different races, but we're all trying to get to the top respectively. So mm -hmm. I would say that what businesses really pay for is innovation. Yep. And differentiation. So yep. you have to differentiate your train of thought from other marketers. You mm -hmm. can go against the grain. You're going to knock on 100 doors and you're going to probably turn down 99. Right. But there's going to be a person out there that gets it. Right. Yep. So when I, I, again, I don't do a lot of traditional sales calls, I don't do a lot of traditional pitching. But mm -hmm. what I will do is I will go to a CMO and I'll say, like, hey, are you guys doing this? And like, no, we're not. And that's always like my foot in the door. Like the way I wrote, the way I wrote this book, just, just so you know, the, mm -hmm. the way I wrote this book, every chapter, every single chapter, there's 12 chapters. Every chapter is, is a pitch deck. And what I mean by every chapter is a pitch deck is that every single chapter in this book mm -hmm. has a different purpose and meaning that I could give this to a C CMO and I can say, yo, read chapter seven. And I'm going to ask them, are you doing this at your company? And they're going to say, no, I no. Mm -hmm. And I know that how most people are, how most executives are, is they don't have the time to read 12 chapters of a book, but they'll read yeah. a chapter. Right. Right. And typically what they'll do is they'll look at the table of contents and then they'll say to themselves like, oh, this is the most relevant to me. I'm going to read it. Right. So that's the psychology behind it. I wrote my book. And again, I incorporate aspects in this book that's not textbook. Like there's an entire chapter devoted to DJ Khaled and Kim K, yeah. Riley, mm -hmm. Drake. Uh -huh. um, one of my keynotes leading up to the release of this book was what marketers can learn about social media from DJ Khaled and Drake. Right. So that's a very unorthodox approach to, speak mm -hmm. to you know, an older, sometimes often white. Executive. And that mm -hmm. is a differentiator. So I always say that's a very long way of saying like, use what makes you different from the field as your superpower. If you're 21 years old and you're competing with people who are in their forties, yep. your age is a superpower. Because you know about culture and you know about what people your age mm -hmm. are into. Right. If you're black, if you're a Hispanic, you know, you know, LGBT, whatever, whatever, whatever kind of you know box you fit in, use right. that to your advantage. Right. Because that's what makes you different. Right. And I think that it's taken me this long of my life and my career to realize that being different is okay. At one point, I tried to fit in and be like everyone else. Yep. And you know what? It didn't work for me because I wasn't like mm -hmm. I didn't make a lot of friends that way. As mm -hmm. soon as I just started being myself, 
a whole new world of opportunity opened up for me. I love it. And that's what we're here right now. And my follow-up question to you would be, so give us a growth hack on LinkedIn, right? So obviously I know there's some people who are creating personalized hashtags, like it'll be their name and chat or something. But like, what's like a really powerful way to engage people on LinkedIn? Powerful way to engage people on LinkedIn, I would say is go into groups mm -hmm. and network your ass off within the groups. Yep. A lot of people think that the key to LinkedIn is to come off as this like pseudo, pseudo guru or thought leader yep. and constantly be like writing articles and writing blogs and no, that's, that's not the key. Right. You gotta go into groups and take advantage yep. of the fact that people have already done the hard work for you. They've already right. started the conversation. And just go into groups that are relevant to your industry. There's entertainment groups, marketing groups, you name it. There's groups for everything. Mm -hmm. And just start having conversations with what's what's trending in the group. Mm, I've actually never heard that. That was really good insight. Awesome. And then I have one more question for you. All right. So the question is, oh, this is interesting. The question is, what do you think about the future of the magazine industry? And how can someone even market one? Start up your own online magazine. Mm -hmm. I, mean, that's, I think that's the future. I think when when magazine really is today is more like a Kindle. It's it's you know a PDF yep. online download or an ebook, if you will. Those are the new mm -hmm. magazines. But to go even one step further in that, I think what you're doing here with a podcast is a magazine too. Absolutely, in our magazines, there are articles. What yep. are articles nowadays? There are pieces of content that we consume visually and, and audibly. So exactly. You're doing it. Awesome. Now, like print magazines, I think print mm -hmm. magazines go by the wayside. Uh, we've already seen it happen. Uh, mm -hmm. I think we'll get to that point where we won't see print magazines anymore. Absolutely. And yep. digital. Absolutely. So that's right, the thing, like, thing. Like I know before I know we're getting ready, ready to wrap up, but that's, that's keep going. especially young people out there. Yeah. We're not necessarily seeing we're seeing newer mediums, but we're not necessarily seeing innovation or newness. We're just yes. taking what's already existed. Yes. We're repurposing it in a new form, if that makes sense. Yep. And uh, before I let you go, I do have one final question that I do want to ask every um um every guest on this podcast. My question to you would be, what piece of advice do you have for young professionals, right, who are just trying to grow and who may be feeling discouraged during these times? Um, such a good question. A couple mm -hmm. things that come to mind is one is surround yourself with mentors. Right. Surround yourself more with mentors in these times than you surround yourself with your friends. Because right. your friends don't necessarily have the same drive and ambition as you do. Mm -hmm. Your friends at times can become haters. Your friends at times can become distractions. Yep. So surround yourself with mentors that help elevate you and your and and mentors I'll just keep it one hundred with you. Yep. Um, also be patient. So mm -hmm. I often have this saying that you can you can piss away your twenties and it's right. okay. You don't have to figure shit out in your twenties. You can piss away your twenties and when you get to your thirties is when you really have to start working because your thirties are gonna set the stage for your forties and if by the age of 40, you don't know what you want to do with your life, it's very hard. Um, mm -hmm. That's just my perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's a long way of saying be patient. Yes. Because your time will come. Um, and if you just keep building relationships, networking, grinding it out yep. throughout your 20s, by the time you're in your 30s, that's the best investment you could have ever made with your time. Um, yeah. and, and the last I'd say is, is, is be willing to take risks, even if it means taking a job somewhere. You know, I know entrepreneurship appears to be very sexy. To those mm, that out. It's a grind. And yep. if you don't have the connects, the capital, the skill set, being an mm. entrepreneur can be a big, big grind. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so be willing to take risks, even if it means, you know, starting up a product and seeing what happens or, mm-hmm. you know, going to go work for someone for a couple of years to build up, you know, your, your skill set. Yes. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. So there you have it. The amazing Carlos Gill in the description below. You all will see more information in regards to resources for marketing. Um, a link for his book, his site, um, and obviously his social media handles. All right, y'all. So I hope you all soak all that information in. Please don't think that this is a one-time listen episode. He is talking about things that are tangible to your business, to your career endeavors. So make sure you listen more than once, all right, before you miss something. All right, everyone, with that being said, I'll see y'all.